Welcome to the hills. Open your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 5. So I heard a story of a man who went to a large city for business the next day, got into the airport late afternoon, hailed a cab to take him to his hotel, and got to thinking on the way, you know, I'm hungry, maybe I can just stop somewhere, pick up some food, take it to my room, and have supper there. I bet this cab driver would know some places along the way where we could stop and I could get some supper. So intending to ask him, he tapped the cab driver on the shoulder, but the driver let out a blood-curdling scream, almost sideswiped a bus, crossed several lanes of oncoming traffic, jumped a curb, stopped within inches of a plate glass window, and for a moment, all you could hear in that cab was two hearts beating like bass drums. The man in the back seat said, I'm so sorry, I didn't think uh, I would startle you like that, and the cab driver said, it's not your fault. This is my first day to drive a cab. For the last 20 years, I've driven a hearse. So <laughs> the point is that we all understand that things that are dead stay dead, right? So we're in this series called Second Guessing Jesus. Not so much is Jesus real, but is he always right? And many of the people that second guessed Jesus did so with wrong motives. But not everybody. Some people simply second-guessed Jesus because they thought he was wrong. And when it came to some of his views about the dead, they thought he was dead wrong. So if you're watching online, wherever you are, or at any of our campuses at North Richland Hills, West Fort Worth, South Lake, what we're going to do today is we're going to think about death, which is something we should do more than we do. The Scripture says in Ecclesiastes 7-2, we all must die. And everyone living should think about this. But we don't like to think about this. Even though this last year, every day, the headlines and the front pages reminded us of the reality of death, we want to change the subject. But life has this way of just bringing the subject back up. And that brings us to a man who had to decide who he was going to second Guess. So in Mark 5, starting in verse 21, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please. Come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And there's a lot going on right here. Because at this point in his public ministry, Jesus has been banished from the synagogues. He has so upset the religious hierarchy that they no longer allowed him the platform of synagogue to continue his teaching ministry. So you understand that when Jairus, a synagogue leader, comes out and publicly falls at the feet of Jesus, he is risking a lot, but he's willing to do it because being a father is more important than being an elder. He was in an only Jesus moment. Some of you know what I mean. You've had those times in your life where if God doesn't show up, it's going down. That's where he is. He is thinking only Jesus. But it's also clear he's thinking 
only if Jesus gets to my daughter in time. Because he's operating on the assumption that death has the last word. Well, doesn't almost everyone? You've heard perhaps of Larry Ellison. He's the CEO of the Oracle Corporation, sixth richest man in the world. And he said in an interview, death makes me very angry. Doesn't make any sense to me. Death has never made any sense to me. How can a person be there and then just vanish, just not be there? And so Larry Ellison has started a foundation to end mortality. He gives that foundation over $40 million a year to study how to just eradicate death. And when I heard about his goal, I thought of the father who took his family to one of these theme restaurants where they have the walls covered with TVs playing uh, cartoons uh, silently over and over. And this little four-year-old boy is watching a TV with Roadrunner cartoons. Are you familiar with Roadrunner, Wild E. Coyote, who will strap rocket boosters on his skates or launch himself out of a cannon or a slingshot? And it always ends in a terrible fail. His four-year-old is watching this over and over, and he has an epiphany and announces to everyone at the table, it doesn't matter what he does, he's never going to catch that chicken. That's how I feel about people who say, death makes me angry, so I'm just going to get rid of it. Here's the thing about death. It doesn't care what you think. Think about Jairus. In his context, he was an extremely privileged man. He was privileged by his race, by his sex, by his faith, by his status, by his education, by his wealth, and death didn't care. And all Jairus cares about is getting Jesus to visit his house before death does. But his desperation soon turns to exasperation. Let me show you what I mean, starting in verse 24. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Okay, for a moment, let's put ourselves in that woman's place, which I'll admit up front is hard for me to do. She has been in pain for 12 years. I tried to remember a time in my life where I was in pain for 12 straight days. I cannot imagine waking up every day for 12 years knowing that day you're going to suffer. She is in an only 
Jesus moment. Notice that Mark says she'd gone to doctors. She'd spent everything she had, and the doctors didn't help her, which, by the way, is interesting because Luke is a doctor, and in his gospel, he leaves that part out. But she comes up behind Jesus. Her faith is so strong, she said, if I could just touch his clothes, something would happen, and something did happen. Supernatural power came into her body. She knew immediately, I've never felt like this in 12 years, and she was healed. And Jesus knew something that happened, and he stopped, and he finds the woman, and they have a conversation about faith. So put yourself in her place. This is the greatest day of your life. Now, put yourself in Jairus' place. This is the greatest delay of your life. Why are we wasting our time with her when my daughter is about to die? I'm not saying her need isn't important, but it's not urgent. Jesus, you come back and deal with her. How would you feel if your house was on fire and you found out the fire truck stopped on the way to your house in the front yard to help somebody get their cat out of a tree? That's how he feels. Death is coming to my house. We have to beat death. Why are we wasting our time? No doubt he is second guessing Jesus' priorities. But what he didn't realize is that Jesus' delay was actually a door to a much greater revelation of himself. And I'm talking to somebody right now that needed to hear just what I just said. Because you're wondering why Jesus is delaying. You're wondering why it's taking so long. And you don't know yet that God wants to reveal something about himself to you. You would miss if God obeyed your schedule. See, Jesus didn't stop just to heal the woman. He stopped to reveal to Jairus that nothing is too late for Jesus. And that revelation was about to confront Jairus with a huge decision. Verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid. I'm a dad. I'm looking at many of you who are parents, and you got the word that your child has died? Don't be afraid. How can you not be afraid? And yet how could Jairus ignore what he's just witnessed? That a woman who hurt every day for 12 years simply touched him. And something that everyone thought could never change, changed just like that. And Jairus has to make a decision. Which voice will I trust? And which voice will I second guess? One voice says, don't bother the teacher. And one voice says, don't be afraid, just believe. 
And I can only obey one voice. And I'm a second guess the other. And you know what? That same decision faces us almost every day, doesn't it? One voice says, why bother? And we know that voice. Because we've all had why bother moments. Areas of our life that just seem hopeless. Where it feels like a stone has been rolled over. For someone it might be your marriage. There's been so much conflict. You've read the books. You went to the conference. It just isn't getting better. Maybe my marriage is dead. Why bother? Somebody, it might be your finances. Maybe you made bad decisions. Maybe other things happened that you couldn't control. But you're in a lot of debt. And seriously, (laughs) budget counseling? At this point? Why bother? For somebody, it might be mental health. And it's so exhausting. And you're doing everything the people that should know are telling you to do. And every day is a struggle. And you're wondering deep down, why bother? For some of you, it's a secret sin. It has tormented you, filled you with shame. You've gotten on your knees and you said to God, I'll never do that again. And you did. And you feel like such a fail. Why bother? It could be an addiction. You can be addicted to all kinds of things. Obviously, alcohol or drug or pornography. You can be addicted to shopping. You can be addicted to anger. And for some, in fact, I would think for many, there's a breach in a relationship in your life. Maybe it happened just this past year with everything that went on. A friend, somebody in your own family. You used to be close and you're not very close right now. And honestly, the work that it would take to repair that wound is so Great, and you're not even sure if it would help. Why bother? We all know the voice that says things will never change. Sometimes that voice comes from the outside. Let's be honest. Sometimes that voice comes from the inside. And the message can be so constant and so loud that you almost immediately second guess any other voice and that's when you're right where Jairus was and you have to decide am I going to keep walking with Jesus even when it doesn't feel like it's going to make any difference so Jairus had to do is he going to say to Jesus thank you master 
but we're too late. You go on about your day, and I've got to go home and comfort my wife and plan a funeral. Or is he going to walk home with Jesus after he's already heard the girl is dead? What good is that going to do? He'd received a true word. But was it the final word? And so we keep reading. Jesus did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue reader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Because he was wrong. Dead wrong. The girl was gone. Jesus is always saying things that people find laughable. That he was God come in the flesh. That he was the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through him. That he was the resurrection and the life. And so every person is faced with the same decision Jairus was faced with. Which voice will you listen to? And which voice will you second guess? Will you listen to, why bother? Or will you listen to, don't be afraid, just believe? And Jesus is making a big ask. He's asking Jairus to second guess death itself. Oh, but for Jesus, death wasn't a finality. It was a technicality. Jairus sees death as irreversible. And Jesus sees it as redeemable. He looked at death the same way he looked at disease, in the same way he looked at demons. He knew he could conquer disease and demons and death because Jesus could and did conquer sin. Okay, I'm about to start preaching the gospel. Y'all ready to hear the gospel for about two or three minutes? I'm going to bring it on. Here we go. When Jesus died, it wasn't a chance. It was a choice. Why did Jesus go to the cross? To put death to death. See, there's always been in Scripture this connection between sin and death. Go back to the start of the Bible, and God says to the first couple, if you disobey me, you will die. It wasn't so much the announcement of a penalty. It was a declaration of reality. God is the source of life. You're not. You don't have life in yourself. You didn't generate yourself. God is a source of life. You disconnect and you cut off from God. The consequence is death. The wages of sin is death. This world is under this curse. This world is dying because it is disconnected from God. And we're down at the mouth of the river with all of this pollutant, all the injustice and the racism and the poverty, and we're doing our best to deal with all the sludge. But Jesus said, I've got to go up to the headwater. I've got to deal with the problem. 
the real problem, that this world is disconnected from the only source of life. And so Scripture says in Romans 4 that Jesus was given to die for our sins. And he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. You saw what it said. He was raised from the dead. The scoreboard no longer reads that death has a perfect record. Well, amen. Someone needed to say it, so I will. The scoreboard no longer reads that death has a perfect record. And Paul goes on to say, one man sinned. And so death ruled all people because of that one man. But now those people who accept God's full grace and the great gift of being made right with him will surely have true life and rule through the one man, Jesus Christ. See, on that cross, remember, Jesus, before he died, he did not say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. He solved the death problem because he solved the sin problem. So now death must shut up and do whatever Jesus tells it to do. And I want to show you one time when that happened. Let's keep reading. After Jesus put them all out, remember that phrase. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up immediately. The girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were completely astonished. Of course they were. Because all their life they lived under the paradigm, death has the last word. And now they realize death doesn't have the last word. Jesus does. And that's the first thing the world needs to hear. One of my favorite apologists is, of all things, a math professor at Oxford University named John Lennox. And he says a few years ago he was in Eastern Europe. And he was at an exhibit where there were um, a display of the atrocities of the Holocaust. Beside him was a Jewish woman there to do research on her relatives who died in Nazi death camps. And they had just passed a display of pictures of Jewish children subjected to horrific experiments by Nazi doctors. Knowing he was a believer of Jesus, the woman turned to him and said, what does your religion make of this? And he wrote, how he responded. I would not insult your memory of your parents by offering you simplistic answers to your questions. I have no easy answers, but I do have what for me at least is a doorway to an answer. You know that I'm a Christian. That means I believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. I also believe that he was God incarnate come into our world as Savior, which is what his name Yeshua means. Now, I know this is even more difficult for you to accept. Nevertheless, just think about this question. If Yeshua was really God, as I believe he was, what was God doing on a cross? 
And could it be that God begins just here to meet our heartbreaks by demonstrating that he didn't remain distant from our human suffering, but became part of it himself? For me, that's the beginning of hope. And it's a living hope that cannot be smashed by the enemy of death. The story doesn't end in the darkness of the cross. Yeshua conquered death. He rose from the dead. And one day, as the final judge, he will assess everything in absolute fairness, righteousness, and mercy. He got very quiet, but he noticed the woman's eyes began to tear up. And she finally said softly but firmly, Why has no one ever told me that about my Messiah before? I hope someone's hearing that today. Someone listening to me right now is hearing Jesus say, Just believe. And to do that, you may have to turn some other voices away. Do you notice it said, after Jesus put them all out? I love that. We think of Jesus, he's so mild, he's so meek. Jesus said to all the scoffers and the mockers and the laughers, get out, get out, get out. You don't belong in this room. And he put them out. It's the same word that he uses for when he cast out demons. Because sometimes to be full of hope, you just have to empty the room. You have to decide, I'm going to stop listening to the voices inside and outside that insist that the stone has to stay rolled over certain parts of my life. I am going to consider the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. I am going to consider the testimonies of all the people in my life like that woman who suffered for so long and they encountered the dynamic, supernatural grace of Christ and their life has been changed. And I'm going to listen to those voices. I'm not going to allow the voices of a fallen world to drown out the promises of a risen Savior. Jesus has the final word, even over death. I've given my life to this. Everything I am building my life on is because I believe this is true. Jesus has the final word even over death. And with all my heart, I believe the future he announced is going to happen exactly like he announced it. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, don't be so surprised Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Because death listens when Jesus speaks. And if you believe that, you can't stop speaking. I want to show you a picture. The young man you're seeing is named Michael Nanandi. Michael was in seminary in Nigeria last January 2020 when Islamic militants invaded the compound and kidnapped Michael and three other students. Before the month was over, the other three were released, but Michael's body was found dead beside a road. And no one could understand why since the negotiators worked for the release of all four of the young men. But later that spring in the month of April, A journalist interviewed Michael's murderer, a man named Mustafa Muhammad, and he asked him, why Michael? Why did you kill Michael? 
He replied, he did not allow me any peace. He just kept preaching to me his gospel. I did not like the confidence he displayed in his faith. And I decided to send him to an early grave. I'm sure Michael had voices in that moment challenging him to second guess his faith. Second guess his future. Second guess the promise of Christ. And he kicks those voices out of the room. And he spoke because he believed. Jesus has the final word. Even over death. He was not sent to an early grave. He was sent straight to the arms of Jesus. And so, I want to remind you, death has no claim on you. Jesus does. Live like it. So, our Father, we pray. In the name of the risen Savior, the name of Jesus, the one who speaks and winds and waves obey. Fish go where they're told. Demons go where they're told. Even death does what it is told. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We ask for discernment to hear his voice above the other voices. We ask for the courage to just believe when it's hard. And we ask for the soon return of Jesus when all will hear his voice and death will die forever. In his name we pray, amen.